And just like that, it's a wrap for Season 3 of The Expanse, leaving us with 1,300 possibilities, but in our conversation of The Crash Couch. Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Crash Couch. I am your host, Chris, and joining me tonight to discuss the Season 3 finale of The Expanse is Joel. Joel, how are you? I'm doing outstanding. This podcast is like my gateway drug. Gate? Get it? Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, got That's it. A good one. <laughs> that sound you hear is Laura. Laura, how are you? I'm doing better now. <laughs> now that I got that first one in. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Laura. <laughs> no, you're fine. Oh, that was that was sneaky. <laughs> that was. That was very that was very good, Joel. That was sneaky, or I'm bad uh, at catching them. So either way, I'm good, and you're good. And finally, we have Ernie. Ernie, how are you? I'm doing well now that my mind has expanded. Yeah. Ooh. Hey, Joel, I'm taking a page like, from you. Hey, hey. That, that one was like, a little bit more obvious. Yeah. yeah. But Ernie, you're a star. I just wanted to say that. Oh, thank you, that sir. Thank you. Anytime. Yes. <laughs> So uh, the voice that you do not hear is Ian. He was unfortunately unable to join us tonight, um, sort of last minute. So we were planning to have everyone here for the the finale and season wrap-up discussion. But um, he did send me some thoughts. I'll I'll read that here in just a few minutes. But Ernie, why don't you read us uh, a summary of the, uh, I'm sure everyone knows what it is, but a summary of the, uh, the finale for us. No worries. The synopsis is Holden and his allies must stop Ashford and his team from destroying the ring and perhaps all of humanity. That was so dramatic. It was. Yeah. <sighs> Knew there was a reason I didn't like him. <laughs> so I'm going to be, be up front. Um, I, th- okay. So it's been a few weeks since the finale aired. Um, I what two weeks. Am I right? Two or three weeks. No. Yeah. It, it, it aired on June. Yeah. June 27th, 2018 is when it, when it, it aired. Okay. Yeah, and we are recording on July the 10th. So it has been a while. So you guys might have to refresh my memory a little bit about everything that happened. But first, what I want to start off with is Ian's thoughts. Uh, Since he couldn't be here, I had him uh, write me a little like summary of what he thought um, of the the final episode and the season as a whole. So I'll just read that right now. The sudden system-wide life or death situation, the believable and brutal conviction of Ashford, Drummer putting on the mech legs and her willingness to die to save Holden and Naomi and the elevator drop, which shocked book readers the most. There was so much to love. Diogo is dead, thankfully. He was always annoying. Monica and Anna being brave and selfless, getting the word out. The reuniting of Bobby and Alex and Amos. Amos feeling the pull of Anna's grace-filled attitude toward life. He said the opening of all the systems was awesome. The season was the perfect adaptation of the book. I can't wait to see where season four goes. Overall, the season was nonstop. Going back to rewatch this is going to be a blast, and I can't wait to do it. Yeah, I agree. Yep. All right, well, podcast is done. I think that's enough. My Twitter address is... (laughs) I still haven't changed my Twitter handle, so get ready. That's the rest of the podcast. Yeah. Listen, I don't want to jump ahead, but Diago, I'm not convinced he's dead. (laughs) He was in the power armor. Just saying. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, but, I mean, I also wouldn't be that sad. (laughs) Honestly, he was getting real, real uppity. 
But, I mean, I was also kind of hoping he would uh, grow up. Well, he had some ups and downs. <laughs> yes, there it is. Ah, <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> um, Craig, though, Craig Moines on Twitter uh, called it the uh, the elevator kiss scene. And I'm still not over <laughs> how great a description that is. It still makes me laugh. <laughs> So where would you guys like to start in terms of uh, discussing this finale? Because it, it was, I mean, it's technically two episodes, but the way they presented it, it was just like one sort of hour and almost pretty much an hour and a half, essentially, event, I guess you could say. And uh, it was, I don't know, it was jam-packed. Yeah. It would be difficult to discuss everything in an hour, I think. Yeah. Well, you have two episodes, right? You have a congregation, and that's followed by Ab- Abden's Gate. So, uh it's same storyline, but it's just two different directors, and uh, I think we should just start from the beginning. Okay, season That's one, episode enough. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, can I? I just say, as a guy who's not read the books, these episodes uh, for season three have been fantastic. But I had no idea where the hell this was going to go. It was very entertaining, but I was like, "What is going on?" He's like tripping out. Holden's tripping out, and he's seeing you know miller's ghost but have have it pay off in the end was just such a beautiful thing i sat back and thought about it for like a good 15 20 minutes going that's why they call it the expanse wow (laughs) (laughs) i like that we get to kind of see through miller a look into uh the protomolecule and its purpose Mm -hmm. and how uh you realize that he's just sort of an avatar of a civilization that is actually not not there. Like they kind of went out expecting to meet the creators of the proto molecule, but they're all dead. <laughs> and it's like Miller's the also, yeah, yeah. He's trying. Oh, Miller's also trying to find them, but they're all dead. And now there's like the much scarier realization that something killed them. The people that are, well, when I say people, the uh, the beings that created this technology that, like, has been sitting there for millennia and is still able to kill them. Something yeah. else killed that. <laughs> I think the protomodical gets a bad rap because it's just trying to build a road. That's all it's yeah. doing. Yeah. Who cares about the ants? Yeah, exactly. It's too mundane. Come on. I know. They just shot it out there to build a gate. It's just hijacking basically all the all the like biomass that it finds to build a gate. Yeah. It just doesn't realize that it's sentient or doesn't care. Yeah, it doesn't care. But I gotta say something. Uh, I know uh, a few episodes, more than a few episodes ago, ago I said something that was not positive towards some cgi at uh, the one okay i, I just want to say in these episodes uh, i actually really like how they did the space scenes that color blue is awesome the color of yeah. the, uh, the 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 drives the color of the ring itself uh just this fl- uh, fl- flowing fluorescent blue oh that's on the black that's just amazing yeah i really really quite uh yeah find enjoyment out of the color scheme yes yeah i uh i like the purple around the ships 
that someone described as a cyst. And I was like, yeah, that basically describes it. I was expecting the ring space to be more uh, kind of just black. So that's how it's described in the books, I think. It's just kind of starless expanse. <laughs> just long and dark and empty. Yeah, that's one thing that sort of... Um... Like I, I like the the tone of of everything that's presented inside, like the 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 area that all these people are in when it you know when they were out in space. Yeah. But it just I don't so there was there was something about it that I don't know I felt like in the back of my mind maybe this should just be more more blank and yeah. sort of lifeless, whereas you. It, it felt more like you were inside like this just giant bubble. Exactly. Yeah. So it felt, I think ring space, like the way it's described was just supposed to be like, you can't see any stars. So you have no idea where you are. And I mean, you still don't know where you are, but I don't know if that would have I translated mean, well onto yeah. screen, but yeah, in the books that sounds <laughs> scary, but I don't, yeah, I'm glad they kind of maybe stepped aside and, Maybe oh, let's yeah. do something brighter because you kind of want to get that across that like you are stuck in this weird zone that you can't get out of. You don't know where you're at. You're traveling fast, but you're traveling really slow. So it's, yeah. it was so crazy. And I, I'm I'm glad they kind of went the other way. But I can see reading it in the book being like, holy crap, that sounds freaky as hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny because it contrasts the line Hoden said about this place being a, a graveyard and that we got to get out of this place. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. we'll get out of this place into 13, one of the 1300 worlds that's just open. Yeah. And you know, it's like, you don't see floating headstones around. So yeah, I can see it. I think it was a choice that the uh, production team did. And I think it worked because I really liked the visuals at least personally. Yeah. I, I want to say something about the, congregation episode i didn't get to watch this live so i had to watch them i I watched them back to back but um as two you know separate episodes and i sort of got the feeling that had this not been shown back to back and you know it was a congregation first and then a week later um the finale the actual final episode i sort of feel like it would have had less of an emotional impact and would have worked not like not as strong because I feel like this, the first pretty much half of this episode or this finale rather is, is a lot of setup. I mean, not a, it's one of those things where it's, it's building up towards something really good. Like I think the, the actual true final 45 minutes was really solid. The first 45 minutes was, it was good in like the larger whole of the uh, of the two combined episodes, but but by itself, I think it's a little weak. Um, but I am glad that they they combined it because I think it worked so much better. And I think we'll you know talk about the whole season um, at the end of this episode. But I think that's how really the whole season has felt is they they work together from start to finish rather than doing standalone ones if that yeah. makes sense yeah no i agree because i uh, i went to rewatch it and i actually only ended up watching like an episode and a half but uh i think watching the first one and then not watching the second one we've been like 
climbing the roller coaster and then stopping at the top. Like you mm-hmm. got the suspense, but then it just dies off and you're just sitting there. <laughs> like you've yeah. got all that build up and then there's no payoff or you have mm-hmm. to wait for it. That tension kind of dissipates. I was going to say to use a star Wars reference, it's sort of like the beginning of, um, like a new hope where not a whole lot happens. And then once you get to, um, Luke and Obi-Wan and Han and Chewie leaving Tatooine, like that's when things really start to pick up. But like the first half, you know, it takes a, takes a little bit to get going. Um, but that, that's sort of the way I I envision, envisioned it. I agree with Boss, man. Chris? <laughs> for, the rest of the, for the rest of the episode, I'm just going to refer to Chris as Boss Man. So uh, I think Boss Man is actually <laughs> on to something there. And compared to stars and all that, it's really good, Boss Man. Yeah, good job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about this? Uh, let's, let's take it this direction. So we're finally in the end of season three, the last two episodes, and you have the people from the UN and Earth working together with the Martians, working together with the Bolters. And you see that when they're in the, the, the aid station and when they're all doing first aid and they're, they're getting medical treatment together and giving medical treatment at, at the same time. So I think these last two episodes is all about this idea that it's how you categorize yourself into these groups are artificial because at the end of the day who cares you need to actually work together in order to survive Mm -hmm. right so you see this in the one line uh with anna you know and i think who said i think alex wait alex and uh, naomi had this dialogue and alex referred to anna as the priest and naomi said no 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 uh pastor and then like alex is like who cares Whatever I think it was, <laughs> right? And so, if you yeah. read into the the differences between you know these different de- de- denominations of say, Christianity, and you contrast that to what's happening politically in this TV show, yeah, I think there's there's definitely a message going on there. Joel, I think that's one of the smartest things you've ever said on this show, <laughs> and it's recorded. <laughs> and I didn't make a <laughs> wow. congratulations. I deserve another drink. <laughs> <laughs> really, though, you do make a good point about that. I think that is. If someone that's sort of unfamiliar with the show um, needs a way to have sort of the conflict between the different alliances and the different groups explained to them, I think that's a very, very good way to put it. And even using, you know, in the context of the show itself and not just um, real world examples. Um, One thing that I I got from this finale is um, it truly did feel like a finale like it it felt like everything from season one up to now has been building up to this last final moment and it makes you wonder if in the back of the writers minds if they thought you know going into the writing of the season you know this might be our last one yeah because it really did feel like that when I was watching I was like man I'm so glad the expanse is coming back for season four but if it ended on this note it would be one of the best finales of sci-fi television and probably just TV in general at the same time I would be extremely pissed yes if it ended yes. <laughs> because they just opened like 1300 doors mm-hmm. for more story <laughs> exactly just be like and that's done but <laughs> i mean it was it was a very good ending though 
especially seeing like you got to see Miller again, even if it's not actually Miller. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, it ends on him asking for a ride. And you're just like, this is so wholesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just get to go on a space ride with my friend, the yeah. investigator. You know, speaking of Miller, by the way, I wanted to bring up um, when Holden is talking to himself, but like talking to Miller. Um, I like that they actually wrote in Miller, Miller-ish lines because Holden had to pull it off. Like, what does that mean? I just <laughs> thought that was hilarious and good writing on their part, but that was just funny. I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, I think this last two episodes, and from, for the most part, this entire series is about fear. Fear of the, no- of the unknown. Fear of losing control. Fear of being beat by competitors. So going back to the idea of was season three going to be the last of the seasons and did the writers know about this? I think, you know, that would probably instill some fear in the writers so they can actually relate to the characters they're writing. Because this is one big giant pressure chamber. And I think that's cool and it worked. And then it ended with such a, oh, we're alive, most of us. And look at this. What does this all mean now? And it just—it it, just—it's it, it, epic. It—it it, it brings things to the next level. Mm-hmm. So let's just uh, scare the writers every season, so they write well. <laughs> it's called motivation. Okay. I know. <laughs> you need to know what you're writing about. <laughs> yeah. You know, in a strange way, though, I almost feel too like um, having to deal with just our universe itself and how the vast space uh how far everything is having it go over three seasons and then expanding it to 1300 other universes like really blows my mind and i don't think the impact would have have been as big as it was if it would have been done at the end of season one it it almost felt like we needed to kind of fill home here and and realize that like yes we have this big space but guess what it's about to expand a lot bigger than than our minds can really comprehend like for Mm -hmm. me the impact was just huge like i i sat there just contemplating the different realities that they're about to face and and the impact for me was just i'm glad they did it over three seasons it did feel like they, they they put their emotion into this third season like there was a little bit of a threat like you guys are are gonna you know we're not gonna pick you guys up but it did feel like much bigger than than what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking, sort of speaking of that, like going across three seasons, um, to have this book adapted into a single season is not something that we've had with the other two seasons. Um, yeah. You know, leading up to this. So, Joel and Laura, since you've read the books, do you think that they pulled off you know that pretty well? Um, I mean, I I've not read them, so I I get the feeling that they did do it justice because um, it, it never felt like the story was rushed or we were there were missing gaps that are filled in in the books. But what did you guys think? I honestly, I do think so, which is surprising because yeah, that we actually finished Caliban's War halfway through and then like speed run through Abaddon's Gate, but. I mean, all of Abaddon's Gate pretty much takes place within the slow zone, or the ring space, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so it's kind of an insular space. And um, 
I mean, it's a lot of personal stories, so a lot of that you can kind of get across on screen. A lot of the uh, the characters that are introduced in Abaddon's Gate aren't in the TV show, but their their roles are kind of subsumed into other characters. So you see, like, Sam uh, was the chief engineer, but she, uh, like... Naomi was the chief engineer on the behemoth for that. Mm-hmm. And then um, the person who just got shot, you know, as sort of a symbol by Ashford was some some rando belter who uh, spoke he, up. He probably had, had a family. He probably oh, had a yeah. son, a daughter. He probably had parents alive still. It wasn't Sam, though. <laughs> <laughs> I have feelings about Sam. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, and then and then of course Bull, like wasn't there, but Drummer got the Bull treatment, mm-hmm. in that she was the, you know, the person who got displaced from the command by Ashford, and then got her legs taken away. Mm-hmm. Okay, boss man, you're asking me if I remember the books. Do you have any idea how much information I have in my head? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> any idea? <laughs> On the other hand, I um, only keep. <laughs> That's the uh, only thing in Laura's head is the expanse knowledge. Yeah. I go to Good. school and they're like, take this test. And they're like, this isn't what we test you on. <laughs> Cliff notes. <laughs> Bishops. <laughs> like, this isn't chemistry. It's pretty shit. Good on you, Laura. I, I can't do this, but I can. I can say that you know, the story worked. It worked well. Uh, even reading the books, I'm not one of these guys who will go and say, "Hey, why isn't there a guy named Bull in the TV series?" Uh, yeah. Because it's the books are so different. But it's a story that continues. The plot fulfills what it's supposed to be doing. We care for the characters on screen. And to me, ultimately, is it a good story? And indeed, I believe it's a great story. Yeah, I say that all too as not a purist. Not going to be like, um, excuse me, on this page we see this detail. That's the word. Um, we get to see more of Anna in the book, and I would love that. Yeah. Yeah, and the whole thing about she... Be, oh, I'm not sure if I talked about it on this podcast, but she's blonde as uh, in, in on the show. Because that's yeah. the actor who portrays her. Uh, in the book, she's redhead, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's so sad. But hey, oh. good, good actor. So. Ruined. Ah, eh, close enough. <laughs> ah, that's it. I'm going to start my own parody Twitter account. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys, enjoy, like, for the most part got the feeling of enjoyment still even though they had to they condensed condensed it down but you know like i said i don't think there was anything i'm curious to go back and read the book eventually and see not only the differences um because i feel like the the further along we get the more differences pop up um especially once you start changing character characters around and substituting old ones for new ones and new ones for old ones um i'm curious to see how seeing it on screen affects the way I read it in the book. I think something I like better from the show than in the books. I mean, 
It's kind of a trade-off because when you read the books, you get to spend a lot more time with them. So when new characters are introduced, you're spending more time with them than you would on the TV show for the same amount of story. But um, is that in the books, you uh, all these characters that kind of got their stories taken by other characters in the show, like... Um, excuse me, like Bull, who got his story kind of taken by Drummer or whoever else. Um, I like that the uh, the show did that, has fewer characters than in the books, because the books mm-hmm. introduces newer main characters, like every story, which is not a bad thing by Nietzsche, or by any, any measure, but uh, it does the sort of Game of Thrones thing, or Song of Ice and Fire thing, where there's just so many like you open the chapter like every chapter is point of view you Mm -hmm. open a new chapter and it's a new person and you're like sometimes i'm like i forgot (laughs) who this person is (laughs) like who this person is like i'm reading i'm still reading honestly persepolis rising and i'm trying to remember like all of the all of the people in this new uh sect i won't spoil anything but yeah, it's a hard story to like go back and forth from because there's mm-hmm. so many people. Whereas the show, like, there's fewer characters that you can kind of stick around with. Yeah, I think um, one way that I sort of compare that to when you were saying that was Harry Potter. Yeah, obviously that started as like a really, for the for the most part, a a tiny universe. You had Harry, you had his friends, you had some of the people, you know, the main characters or the main side characters in the uh, different um, Hogwarts houses. And then, you know, you would have like some of the teachers at Hogwarts. And the more that series continued, the more we saw, um, we not only did we see those characters grow up, but we saw new ones introduced. And for the you know for the most part, J.K. Rowling did a good job about keeping it all sort of contained with the same people and um, not having to introduce too many characters. But yeah, once you do that too much, I mean, in a book, it's easy, it's sort of easier to comprehend because um, you know you can if you're a good writer, and thankfully, um, Ty and Daniel are very good writers. Uh, you can reflect it in in a positive way and ways that's not confusing to your readers it is much harder to do that on tv especially a series like the expanse that's on sci-fi for 42 minutes a week yeah yeah because if we had all the same characters from the books we'd literally just have like new character new character new character and then they'd be gone again because they're just there for the length of the book Mm mm-hmm and you can also like at the start of a chapter, you can put like this the current setting of um, of whatever the chapter is about, or if you're changing settings mid chapter, you can put like a subheading. Putting that for every single time in a show is difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it just makes it look way too hard to follow. And you know, the Expanse is already one of those. I mean, it's not. I mean, it, it's futuristic in from our point of view. Uh, but it's 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 still a little too advanced at times for us to directly relate to it. Like we don't have spaceships 
outside our door that we can get on and experience that. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we bah, don't. Bah. Um, but we don't have that to you know relate to. So it, it's putting that into our mind and, and grasping that concept and understanding it is easier with the written word and it's harder on screen, even though you have like a whole visual medium to tell it. Um, yeah. Even for people that are better visual learners and retain information better through visual means. I mean, it's still difficult. Yeah. Also, so, wanna, Oh, sorry. No, I'm just say, thinking to myself, you know, they really should do a spin off of the expanse and have it like a bar on the behemoth. And so you don't have to leave the bar. So it'd be like chairs in space. <laughs> yes. That sounds you like an what, acting can... podcast. Like somebody <laughs> would do that as like a side project. <laughs> yeah, be great. So, you know, someone could have like a science fiction themed pub right there. Be great. You got like thirteen hundred worlds going to the places. People are in and out. Yeah, uh, I prefer probably the book version because it's more characters, but and therefore more customers. But uh, I'm just trying to think of possibilities. That would be cool. So you get like little little glimpses from other characters or other people who are uh, having to deal with it but aren't part of the actual story. Yeah, just you don't deal with it. Just, just like, have- what? heck is happening yeah so you don't have to actually spend money on cgi can we have a couple of sets probably do like a 360 bar set uh, and, and just have people walk in and out you don't even have to show spaceships i think i tweeted something along these lines and um i mean not right along these lines just about how i'd like to see uh point of views from side characters who aren't involved with like the main plot because it's gotta be absolutely overwhelming and i think uh i think it was that one but either way like ty on the james essay Corey account like responded something something silly and he's like and i'll never read it because he was talking about how you know he just doesn't read um <laughs> fan fiction and like whatever else related which makes sense because then people can be like you stole my ideas yeah and i was like fine you're not gonna read my like amos and protomolecule monster fan fiction like it's a great romance he's like no (laughs) oh god (laughs) i wasn't serious so now i have this great fear that he thinks i write those stories (laughs) See, I was sick of more of uh, that one head engineer guy who got killed by uh, Ashford on the on the bridge. You know, yeah. his, his, his yeah. local bar. He's in there the day before, and he's watching the their equivalent of CNN on TV, and he sees Monica saying a bunch of stuff, and he's like into his like eighth you know whiskey and water, and yeah, and he's and he's complaining because of whatever. See, you have to really humanize these things. Yeah, like yes. my boss is such a dick, and then. Sure enough, his boss like literally shoots him. (laughs) The French like, well, he wasn't wrong. Someone, no wait, no one make that copyright, (laughs) copyright, copyright. Is that how that works? Just to bring something else up, what really interesting to me, at least, is how they did some of the battle scenes. More specifically, how they actually snuck up on the people guarding the. The, the core reactor, I think, or the, the fusion drive, where it's actually, it's in four dimensions or three dimensions. So it's usually when you go in combat, it's lateral. It's what's in front of you and what's behind you and what's on your flanks. But yeah. because we're in space, people float. 
Yeah. So you're you're playing video games one for a couple of minutes or for one minute, and then suddenly someone taps you on the shoulder, comes down and and heals you with the foot. You know, it, it's a, it's a neat way to actually visualize combat. Yeah. You change the plane up, the the plane of the arc of fire. Sorry, I like uh, I like the tactical stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did think about that when like the guy got electrocuted on the behemoth when they were trying to put more power into the into the comm laser. And it always freaks me out when people die in zero G and they just float there. Mm-hmm. Like their body's just still standing. Looks like nothing happened except now they're just dead. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> oh, right. We're in a like, completely like well, not Earth environment. Sometimes well, you-, you have to be reminded. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Laura, everyone leaves unfinished business. That's what dying is. <laughs> oh, don't make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great line. Oh. <laughs> That's just, it got to the point of things, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Ernie, you've been a little quiet. Do you have any interesting insight to add to this? I think uh, for me one of the most complicated stories and most intriguing, at least for a character was Ashford's stance. And I feel like he was aggressive and not aggressive at the same time, because he was thinking on his feet and a lot of the things he did saved people's lives, asking to spin the drum, inviting everybody over. But you know, the way he wanted to deal with the proto molecule and, and the ring was very aggressive. And I just felt like the way the actor played that, that scene just really kind of stuck with me. He, he just pulled it off so well, but that story to hold that together and, and kind of play this good guy, bad guy, uh, like kind of uh, almost like, like in black Panther uh, with Killmonger. It's, there's the wrong way you're going about it, but maybe, you know, the moral is there, but, and Ashford yeah. just had this crazy just stance on everything. And it, it, it got, beyond the the point of humanism when he shot the guy you know and and decided like we're going forward with this whereas like you know holden is more like on on a leap of faith and uh i just felt like ashford for me was the most intriguing story but i think the one that stole the show no matter what is is going to be drummer for me she was such a badass but i just thought ashford was the most talk you know you, you can get the most talk out of yeah I really liked um, the way Ashford was portrayed in the end. Uh, I think when he first was introduced, you sort of got this uh, almost villain-like, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Like a villain-like, like like that's what you assume he's going to be is the villain. Um, Or somebody that's going to cause a lot of trouble. And he sort of did that. And from what I hear, he is pretty much that in the book. (laughs) but he's a lot more likable here in the show and i sort of think that i mean because if if you just sit back and think about it like if if you're uh, like actually exposed to a situation where you have a guy who comes up to you and said that i didn't do all of these like i had nothing to do with all of these bad things that happened I'm not actually crazy, but there really is a dead guy talking to me. I mean, what are you going to do? I, I sort of think that Ashford 
sort of represented represented the um, almost like what the average viewer of the expanse would do in that situation like obviously you're going to be nice and you're going to decide your differences and invite to invite um, your enemies quote unquote uh, to your ship to help them out um, but you know you want to get out of there just as much as everyone else on your ship and everyone else on the other ships like you would think that I mean, the, the normal person probably would do the same thing that Ashford did. And I sort of think it's it's a little weird to say, oh, yeah, well, uh, Ashford was, you know, a dick and um, he was only looking out for his own interests and blah, blah, blah. When, But when you think about it, like, he was doing what he thought was right and it wasn't necessarily a bad, you know, plan. It just wasn't the one that we, the viewer, knowing everything that we know about Holden and Miller and everything else, we knew that that wasn't the way to go. But like knowing what he knew, yeah, it might be, might be the best course of action. Ashford's character throughout the season reminded me of somebody who was a criminal beforehand and was trying to go straight. That's what yeah. it reminded me of because he, he was very gritty, but he was very much like trying really hard to be, you know, going with the rule book, wearing the uniform, being the best he could be to drummer but you know we all felt like he had this sneakiness about him and and you described it perfect chris but i almost felt like he was a criminal just trying to go straight mm-hmm. well he's always uh, been a pirate right a space pirate but uh, <laughs> there's that what i want to say is both ashford and drummer were decisive and showed leadership they were on different sides of the issue but when they made a decision they made the decision. Shoot yep. the guy in the bridge because he's going to cause a panic. Cause a mutiny. Let's go and do this. It was just it, it was great leadership of both sides, and you fought for that. It's, which side was right? Well, it depends how much information you have in front of you. Yeah. I, uh, I like that we got to see, like, Holden in the brig when Naomi and Drummer are down there with him, and he's trying to talk to Miller. And you don't see Miller as the audience, and you kind of see uh, Naomi and uh, Drummer's reactions. So you can see it through their perspective and realize that this is what everyone else has been seeing. Because we've been seeing Miller with Holden. So you're like, oh no, this is this is by appearances like what everyone else has been seeing Holden doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just talking to himself to a dead guy. <laughs> but uh I mean he's been coming up with things that, you know, that make sense to them. So it makes sense why they would follow him. Yeah. I do think that Ashford was acting in what he thought was the best interest of humanity or you know the best interest of his crew i think he was maybe not thinking it all the way through which yeah. makes sense because it's a very high stress environment <laughs> don't judge him for that <laughs> but uh but i'm like boy they've like threw a grenade and it disassembled a human and it's demonstrably not liked things like blowing up by it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's shown that it has this intense, just insane amount of power mm. to stop stuff 
And even the scientist says, oh, this nuke won't be a problem. The station can stop it. <laughs> yeah. Like, what did you think was going to do? They're talking about, he's talking with certainties about what's going to happen, the scientist. And I'm like, you don't know that. <laughs> you don't <Yeah>. know that. <laughs> that raises a good, uh, another good point is the Martians. Uh, in this episode, or these two episodes, they were the, the you know, the jackbooted thugs. And you can see the military might at work because it's so short-sighted. Yeah. So they back Ashworth. If I had any small complaint, it was probably the Martian standpoint, I think, because they've always been like the badasses who go in first. But on this episode, they were more like, we'll do what you need. You need my soldiers over there? Sure, we'll do that. But, I mean, obviously they were trying to be grateful for being taken aboard and saving their own. But I didn't like the stance of it. But that was like just a minor complaint of mine. Yeah, they're pretty weak-minded. Uh, like that one uh, general or whatever captain or whatever senior officer is just like uh, yeah. she just backed Ashford's play. I yeah. do like that uh, just- they were riffing on uh, Draper though on Gunny. Like they really thought she she she's weak now. Like she's been tainted basically. But I really like that they kind of gave her a hard time, and she's more like oh, he's just. People are just my friends. I've I've been in the the dirt with them basically. Yeah, like that they were giving her a hard time. Like she's weak, even though they're just automatically deferring to whatever authority is like showing itself. Like Ashford. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. she's she's the one kind of actually putting some independent thought into what's happening. Yeah, I wanted Eventually. to ask something by the way about drummer. Like I'm. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure, like, they were uh, portraying that she had feelings towards Naomi, right? Like, I I didn't miss that. (laughs) That's, uh, it kind of seemed at first like, um, like Drummer had taken over uh, the role of Sam from the books. It felt like she was an engineer on, uh, on Tycho. And in the books, there's definitely like a, did they? Because Sam in the books is, uh, they make very heavy illusions. And, well, by illusions, I mean they kind of say it straight up that she's a, she's a lesbian. And that then there's kind of illusions that uh, or illusions that Naomi and Sam had kind of a thing for a second while her and Holden were on a break. And I, na- or not Naomi, Dominique and Kara just keep playing this coy about it, and it drives me nuts. Sorry, I'm super <laughs> passionate about this. I'm like, just say it. <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely leaves the door open, and I think he, he, the viewer can can uh, see meaning in everything. And I think I think you're right, Laura. I think they're just they're doing the wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing. Yep. So. I was very happy with the way um, not only the the chemistry and the uh, not a relationship in terms of like a romantic thing, but the the relationship and the friendship was portrayed with uh, those two, but also Alex and Bobby. And this is something that sort of um, that sort of has continued on Twitter with um, Cass and Frankie. Like there are fans tweeting to them about how, you know, Alex and um, Amos are not Amos, (laughs) which 
you know, that could be two <laughs> as well. But uh, Alex and uh, Bobby are, um, you know, like an item now because, you know, they, they sort of have that, that, that bond, uh, especially as this season ends. Um, but I get it, get the feeling that's more sort of platonic. And I think it's nice to see that because you don't see that a lot in um, like relationships between um, a guy and a girl. You, you most of the time see it as either like really strong friendships and then it goes into like romantic stuff, but you never see it just as like always being just two buddies. And that's sort of what I get with them. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris, because I feel like if it is from a platonic standpoint, they kind of connect with each other because they're sort of Martian outcasts now. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like they bond over that and they kind of relate to that. And I, I could see that being their connection together, you know, from a platonic standpoint. I think if it's a relationship style uh, relationship, I'm okay with that too. But I, I think I like the idea better if it's platonic. Mm-hmm. I think Cass said something about it too. Well, I know he didn't. Because he said someone made a comment about them being an item. And he just said, nope, men and women can be friends. Yeah. And I was like, yep, uh, there it is. You know, this and is just. I hope so. Yeah. And this just goes to my point earlier. They need a spinoff series where like a bar so we can flush out all these, you know, romances and relationships. <laughs> Maybe like friends meets cheers meets uh, Space Invaders. <laughs> Space Invaders. <laughs> You're on the right track, Joel. I'll give you that much. Yeah, I'm trying to think out of the box, okay? I'm trying to expand my uh, my creativity. <laughs> oh, that's a point. I'm going to start tallying. So now that we're sort of um, nearing our, our allotted time here to record, um, what do you guys think overall of this season? And moving into season four, both in-universe and... Uh, giving the whole transition from sci-fi to Amazon, what are some things that you want to see improved upon? Um, you know, what what do you want to see not change? Um, you know, and then also, what was your sort of summary of this season? I'll go last because I'm I'm the boss man. <laughs> I would like to see more swears, please. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a given. Dear Jeff Be- Be- Bezos, I would like more swears. Thanks. <laughs> Love, Laura. <laughs> I'm an adult now. What do you think I, of season three just I as a whole? It. Is that it? You just loved yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. I went back to start uh, to start watching it again. I mean, not for my own. Well, partially for my own sake. But uh, because my boyfriend was like oh i haven't watched any of season three yet and i was like god (laughs) you know better than to come into my house (laughs) but uh so i started watching it again and i almost forgot that it starts in uh where it starts in caliban's work because it Mm -hmm. just goes so forcefully into abaddon's gate yeah and it gets so sucked into that story which is good <laughs> my take on it is that i think season one i, I know this sounds going to be odd to you know to people but i didn't see season one to be very science fiction like 
Yeah, they're spaceships. Now at the end of season three, it's like, oh my God, this is all about science fiction. And then some. There's some great unknowns. It feels yeah. it's, it's we're getting almost in the realm of fantasy because it's just beyond our understanding. So what is these worlds? What is the protocol monocle? We're slowly gaining an understanding, but we have no idea where this road is going to end. Yeah. And so I, from that point of view, I think season three is amazing because it, it just it shifts the focus to outward. And that's something I'm kind of concerned about because I want I like the inner conflict. I like the OPA underground, you know, freedom fighter slash terrorist stuff going on, or the different fractions within the OPA trying to fight it out for power. I really like that side, that thriller political side of things. Yeah. Which we cool. will hopefully will get again, but it's going to be very different because now the gates is open. Yeah. So. Well, but I like it. We got to see. Avasarala for a tiny peek at the end, looking worried, and I'll just say that there's a reason she's looking worried. <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, there's some very very uh, heavy political implications to suddenly having yeah. um, just 1,300 new frontiers. I'm telling you, a good place to put a pub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ernie, what about you? Yeah, I mean, this season for me has kind of been up and down and up and down in the sense that not the episodes were disappointing or anything. It was more up and down emotionally because, you know, there was that whole moment that we thought we weren't going to have a season four, five, maybe six. Who knows how long they go? It was more of a uh, like I wanted to hold these episodes tighter, you know, when they aired (laughs) and when I watched them. But as a whole, I, I, I just this was a long like the long game everything was the setup especially for those last 15 minutes of the of the abdin's uh, gate and for for somebody who has not read the books i it was very confusing at times but i stuck with it but it was all very intriguing and just to have that last moment and realize where it's heading was just so mind-blowing and i kind of sat back just kind of absorbing it all and not being able to absorb it all because there is so much more that you know this kind of lays the paveway for like a fork in the road that goes like 200 other ways and um for me this this season has been just nothing short of amazing as far as writing goes the acting goes uh, we've gotten closer to the characters uh you know amos has kind of been my favorite throughout all three seasons but i think drummer kind of really surpassed that um and Kara G is kind of really dives deep into this character she lowers her voice she does a really good accent like she's got dialect coaches but she knows the accent really well from reading the stories but season three is just a good jumping off point into this chaos that we're about to see I loved every minute of it and especially the last 15 minutes of it because it was just nothing short of amazing Ernie, I think you're right. I think we need 200 spinoff series to cover the 200 uh, planets we're going to go to and see. 200 bars. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. Oh, we can take over. We're going to have like 200 different like channels out there. You know, Amazon times 200. We can do that, right? What's yeah. money? That's fine. That's a new age. I, uh, I like that kind of everything up to here has been sort of, it's been hard sci-fi to a point and, uh, has been very, very dirty, like, 
grungy sort of life is difficult and hard and like here's why and I like that or I liked the expanse because there wasn't a lot of hand waving in terms of why things work the way they do but I kind of also like that now that we have this this mystery this protomolecule mystery and these gates and all this that there's something we don't know because it's it's a good mystery to have because now we have all these worlds and it's kind of edge of the map like a want to discover a good kind of mystery yeah it's not just hand waving it's like come find out i'm like yes 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 (laughs) i want to learn more for me as someone that was a big fan of season one um, and the fact that Joel, you mentioned it pretty good was that it was, it was less about the size, the science fiction part and more about telling the story with those science fiction elements thrown in every so often and then made as part of your, your setting and your environment. Um, even though I liked this season as, like I said earlier, as a whole, it, it works brilliantly standalone it doesn't as much and you know now that we're going to a to a time where to well, to a platform where at least i assume everything will be released at once um rather than you know release week by week by week although it would it wouldn't surprise me if they keep you know keep that format going like they had you know since it's coming from television to an online platform um yeah. I'm curious to see how that gives like the writers more freedom. I was reading, I think it was a, an article. Um, I can't remember where it was from, but it, I, I believe it was an interview with Naren. And he was talking about how, uh, you know, now that they're going to Amazon, you know, they can include some more um, like sort of throwaway or, or filler plot points for storylines um that they wouldn't have been able to include you know in a 40-minute program so i sort of hope that we you know keep going on the current pace because i truly do enjoy this more hard sci-fi approach of of the past season and you know till till smaller extent season two um but i i hope that in the interim we also get that um sort of like the classic feel of season one where, uh, you know, we get some smaller stories that may just last an episode or, or something like that. Um, again, I've not read the book, so I can't really predict any of that. Um, and you know, it's technically already written. So, uh, but I, I do hope that they take some risks and aren't afraid to add some things in for the sake of the show, even if it's not in the book. Um, which I mean, we've seen that already, but uh, you know they can still be creative and um, risk takers, yeah. I guess. Um, I, would, I also oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I was just gonna add. I uh, I would like to see some sort of subplots or you know B plots that are just not as you know kind of critical to mm-hmm. kind of fill out the universe. It, yeah makes it feel more real which i enjoy and i I think the reason we got that at first was because we had holden and the rossi crew doing one thing and then miller was doing his own thing and even though they were late they were related like they they were it was still uh tangential enough that it could be told like two separate 
plot lines, you know, for an episode. Um, yeah. Now you, since everyone is sort of together, you don't really have that. Um, and I hope that we can sort of take a step back and approach it in that same way. Of course, I want them to do what's best for the show. So I don't want them, want oh, them to yeah. just implement it just, just for the sake of doing it. Um, as long as it, you know, fits direct the direction they want to go. But I mean, since they've already said, Hey, you know, we're not, if, if it's going to take an extra five minutes to tell the best story possible, then we're going to do it. That's music to my ears because it shows that they're like, they know what's best. And the whole team of directors, the whole team of writers, the whole team of everyone else that works on this show, I think is smart enough to be able to pull all of that off. I trust them. Well said. Uh, lastly, um, I sort of want to reflect on uh, and I, I hope this isn't going to be a mistake on my part. But I, <laughs> I sort of want to reflect on The Expanse from its beginnings at sci-fi and then now we're going into a brand new venture that's a completely different area with Amazon. I sort of want to reflect on sci-fi and obviously we owe that network a huge amount of credit um, for believing in the show, even bringing it to fruition um, and you know giving it a proper chance. I remember that the build up to season two was pretty strong and um, you know, if you were active at all on Twitter uh, during this live tweets of season two, like it was you know, super active and it was very engaging. And, um, you know, the people that worked mainly on the show, but, uh, you know, through the affiliation of sci-fi really helped make the fans feel involved. Um, and it was a nice experience uh, to have that and you know from a podcast perspective you guys wouldn't know because you weren't here last season but um you know we got press access to the show we didn't get any interviews but we, we at least had screeners we had access to the press site um for season three none of that occurred and the communication was honestly very poor um there they you could tell just even from the outside looking in, like I saw this, I saw people tweeting about this on, on Twitter and talking about how like there was hardly any promotion for the season. Like once, once it got underway, like, you know, they had the commercials and stuff, but um, the public press site for the show was pretty bare and damp. Um, and it was really difficult to get any kind of like, I, I've still, I have still yet to get, any kind of um, communication back from uh, the people at sci-fi about the experience to this day. And obviously I'm not going to now, um, but it sort of, it, it makes me think that even from the start of the season, and this is why I brought it up earlier, they sort of like knew that this was probably going to be the last one, unless something really happened. Uh, the last one on the sci-fi channel. And it's just sad because, you know, the sci-fi channel is one of the only routes to get mainstream science fiction in front of, you know, the, the public eye, because otherwise it's still a pretty, um, you know, it's over in the corner of the bookstore and that's about it. 
Yeah. Uh, you don't really have like these main, like you have a few mainstream shows on other channels. Like, um, you know, you have the more, I mean, it's not technically sci-fi, but you have like the Marvel stuff um, that can be coming through ABC. You have some stuff on CW. Um, I think Colony is still in USA. Uh, you had Falling Skies there on TNT for a bit. And, you know, for the most part, it was sci-fi is the only place to do it. And it's just, it's just a shame that I, I sort of think that the network might have given up on the expanse at probably the wrong time and now it's coming back to bite them and i hope that amazon doesn't do the same which i don't think they will because i mean jeff bezos is literally a massive fan of the expanse and he's like the head honcho so yeah i i think i think the difference is going to be um hopefully is is going to to pick back up the way i remember it from season two but um like I said, I'm just I'm just glad that we have the ex- another season at least of the Expanse to talk about. But yeah, I think this is a complex issue with lots of business dealings involved. Uh, I just think it's the way things are going in the future because technology, everything is going to be streamed and yeah. everything's going to be yeah. niche. You know, you take sci-fi and we were pointing our fingers at sci-fi, but it's owned by NBC and mm-hmm. NBC is owned by Comcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, Comcast with one or two other companies forms you know ninety eight percent of the entertainment business in in the United States. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's also. I mean, I don't want to sit here and speak ill of sci fi because they've been very good to us in terms of, especially with season two, giving us press access, and they were very communicative towards us. And it's not just me; like I know other people too that um, they've they've really helped out. You know, with with, uh, it's not just been the expanse it's been other shows too that I've gotten some um, some a little bit of press access towards but uh, so it's it's not them it's just it's just one of those things that in hindsight you wish that the expanse would have been treated a little bit better but it's not like it was just treated terribly from the start like they did give it an honest chance and like I said for season two it was like top of the line but I guess I mean the viewers just weren't there and you know Looking at it, you can sort of understand it at times. Other, a little, there are a few things there that um, were a little strange in terms of decision making. But um, overall, like I, like I said, I'm glad that we got three seasons on Sci-Fi. Um, hopefully, with this being on Amazon now, we'll get a little bit more creativity. We'll expand our horizons <laughs> with the show, um, and uh, it won't. It, it'll just continue to continue to grow because i think this is a show that you know can certainly do that i appreciate sci-fi for uh, for taking a chance in the first place and mm-hmm. for giving so much creative control to to ty and daniel yeah especially because yeah. i don't know if a lot of other networks would have done the same i i fully agree yeah but it ended up being a, obviously <laughs> a great choice mm-hmm. because they know they wrote the story. And now that it's all in place, I'm really glad that, you know, they obviously can't go back and change main characters. Mm-hmm. I just I, think, oh, go ahead, Ernie. Well, this was Chris, but I, <laughs> I, I didn't really have anything I was going to say, so go ahead, Joel. Uh, I just think there's something right in the universe when you have this science fiction show being the Don Quixote of science fiction shows by changing ne- networks. 
Yeah, I think that's great because it's so fitting for the story. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I hope they uh, I hope they uh, go back to genre fiction. It seemed like that's what they were doing with the Expanse. Mm-hmm. But now I don't know. I don't watch a lot of other shows on the network. So, well, yeah. I don't watch a lot of shows like on network TV in general. <laughs> I know that when uh, last year when we were at um, New York Comic Con, for the longest time it looked like sci-fi was because they have a pretty decent presence um, at New York Comic Con. At least it did last year, and it looked like they were going to have the expanse, you know, be at least get a panel and you know have some mod- maybe some guest appearances and autographs and whatnot. But there was literally no presence from the expanse at all and apparently from what i heard they decided to give that spot to the magicians rather than the expanse so um and that's i know offhand that was something that the cast was a little disappointed about but i mean can't do anything about it now the the magicians is also a deserving and worthy show i've not watched it but the numbers are there and it's it's another one of sci-fi's most talked about shows so i mean nothing against the magicians yeah yeah and and guys just to let know the numbers don't really count it's profit that counts yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean i'm just glad that it's got a home with a loving odor now (laughs) yeah i I, I mean looking at watching that video especially from the uh from the conference I forget mm-hmm. what it's called, which one, but uh, from the conference where he announced it and watching everyone stand up and hug each other, I was just just chills, crying yeah. a little, a little couple tears. <laughs> and I think we'll be remiss if we just didn't comment on uh, this, uh, you know, the way the fans reacted to this crisis and how they did this advocating and their outreach and they they stood up and they and they've eventually got what they wanted which is amazing yeah mm-hmm. you know i've actually i've actually witnessed that since perhaps you know you know you hear stories about star trek from the classic you know track from the you know 1960s and early 1970s mm-hmm. you know it doesn't happen very often I, where, uh, it, where it was successful i was part of the uh, the like reclaim Mass Effect campaign that was angry about the ending of Mass Effect. <laughs> Eventually, they finally caved and fixed. Well, gave us a different modded fun, uh, fixed ending. So we're like, mm-hmm. what the heck? But that ended up raising like a couple hundred thousand for charity, which was really cool. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes I want to be like. Um, Listen to your fans. <laughs> we're not we're not out here just saying stuff. We we're passionate. <laughs> yeah, passionate is definitely a way to sum up the Expanse fandom. Yeah, I got feelings. Well, um, we're sort of running. We've ran out of time here uh, before I have to zoom off and go do my 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 life outside of this podcast. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but speaking of uh, sort of the future of the Crash College, obviously we'll be back for season four. Um, I know last summer I sort of said, hey, we'll do at least one episode a summer and get some guests and whatnot, um, or one episode a month throughout the summer. But right now that probably won't happen. So just stay subscribed. Um, we'll I'll post some things on Twitter whenever uh, you know if if we land 
you know, an interview or have a guest on the show that um, will be appearing or if we just decide if there's some kind of big news and, you know, we all want to get together and talk about it. But um, so if you see a gap in, you know, in, in release, don't assume that we're dead unless you see it on Twitter, which that doesn't that unless like all five of us just spontaneously combust and, and die, then I think someone will keep the show going. <laughs> uh, I have Sorry. the password to the Twitter account now. I'm just going to log in and be like, all right, people. Yeah. Sorry, just, boss man. We're moving to Amazon. Is that right? <laughs> if you see any tweets that are just in all caps, just disregard. It's probably me. Like, LOL. Um, so, yeah, the, you know, like I said, we'll have we'll, we'll we'll try to get content where we can. Um, it may be a little difficult, but uh you know, we'll do our best. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the future of, of the show. Uh, if you do want to keep updated with us, um, you can follow us on Twitter at Crash Couch. It'll either be myself or Laura tweeting something. Um, so, I know what I would tweet, but I can't speak for Laura what she would tweet. So, I don't know. I'll get information however I can. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> If you want to follow us on our personal accounts, I am at the Curse of Chris. Uh, Ian is at Ian the Beard. Laura, what is your Twitter? Uh, Laura, it's L A U R A A A H H A H H. I'll change it before next season. I promise. If if you don't, and like we go to record the first for the first episode of uh, season four. Like you're you're fired from the podcast <laughs> the until you change will it. Will just be like like me changing my my Twitter <laughs> handle. <laughs> Joel, what is your Twitter? My is simple compared to Laura's by the sounds of it. Uh, it's my first name underscore with my last name, so it's Joel T O E L underscore Welch W E L C H. But I'm and thinking we'll- about adding some H's to it. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Yes, that's what I'm doing. I'm just going to convince everyone else to, to make theirs more complicated. <laughs> Sorry, Laura. <laughs> Dang it. And if people miss the sound of your voice uh, in between Seasons of the Expanse, what is your podcast called and where can oh. they find it? Yes, uh, we. Uh, I have a podcast called the Sci-Fi Pubcast. Uh, it uh, does episodes every two weeks, two to three weeks, and we talk about themes and topics in science fiction. And it's uh, it's quirky as you probably can tell from my personality uh and you can find it on the podcatcher of your choice what is the twitter for it oh a twitter well it's at sci-fi pubcast okay and finally ernie what is your twitter (laughs) you can find me on twitter instagram and even a youtube channel your buddy ernie and what is the uh what is the twitter for your podcasts that you do and your network all right let me go down the list here (laughs) all right so i do one called the retro convo where we talk about uh stuff usually from like 80s and 90s and talk about it as adults now and see if we still like it or not um the twitter for that is at the retro convo and then uh the network podcast uh which is when nerds attack you can find that at nerds attack pods and we have a main show called nerds attack or when nerds attack sorry and we just talk about uh that week in pop culture cool all right. Well, I think 
uh, that will do it for this episode of The Crash Couch. Thank you so much for listening. Please spread the word, um, especially if you know someone that is just watching The Expanse for the first time or um, in Laura's boyfriend's case, season three for the first time. Please direct them (laughs) to the podcast. Oh. <laughs> uh, we would greatly, greatly appreciate um, you know you leave us reviews on iTunes. Continue following us on, t- on Twitter. Hopefully, we'll have a thousand followers by the time season four starts. We're edging ever closer to that number. So, uh, until then, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you whenever season four premieres. Bye. Hopefully soon. Bye. <laughs>